know, I just want you to know that when the rain begins to fall, you'll ride my rainbow in the sky. And I will, I will catch you when you fall, and you'll never have to ask me why. Yeah. <laughs> Is your rainbow in the sky a euphemism for your penis? <laughs> you know what? I didn't, I don't, I'm not really clear what the lyrics of that song mean, but that was kind of where my mind went also. I'm like, is this like a sex thing? Is that a, yeah. I'm pretty sure I interpreted all of these songs and or action in this movie to be of a sexual connotation. I feel like everything was a metaphor for having sex. <laughs> Yeah, you brought that up at certain points, and I was struggling to find ways to disagree with you. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And today, we are discussing 80s musical Voyage of the Rock Aliens. I was really excited. The, when we start planning for a season, we kind of look for some movies, and you threw a list of them at me. And when I heard the plot of this movie, I was like, we have to do it. You know my love of musicals, and it just, it sounded amazing, right? The Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Like, we're getting science fiction, we're getting rock and roll, we're Your getting... Your shaped like a fucking guitar. <laughs> like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, we have aliens out traveling the galaxy to find the source of rock and roll. Is that That's right? That's exactly right. And how, pray tell, does our beer today relate to that movie? Uh, yes, we always pair up a beer with our movie, right? We're bad movies and beer here. Uh, it's only been a couple we seasons. We just said it. <laughs> and uh, we are going to be drinking an Extra Galactic Origins. What a wonderful name. This is from R-Shape Brewing Company. I have never had anything from them. They are out of Akron, Ohio. Uh, I think you picked these up on a little road trip to the United States, and I'm really excited to try this. Yeah, every time I go down there, I'm trying to find something new I haven't had before, which is easy because there's so many craft breweries down there, and this was one that I thought would relate nicely to this movie. So, uh, also... Fruited, which I enjoy, but not exactly a fruited sour. No, so this is a sweet cherry and key lime imperial goza. And so I've never had an imperial version. I'm not traditionally a sweet cherry man, so I'm hoping that the key lime plays a more prominent role in this. Yeah, same with me. I'm not big on cherry flavor, but hey, we'll see. Yeah, um, this brewery sounds like a cool place. Uh, it sounds like it's a brewmaster with a background in biology and science who is then a sort of chemistry biology where a lot of brewmasters actually get their start. Um, and they make all kinds of different beers. It says malt heavy. It says hop heavy. It says ones that you want to crush on a Saturday afternoon. So I'm looking forward to trying my first Arche Brewing beer, and we'll let you know how we like it at the end. Yeah, I hope this is one of those Saturday afternoon crushers and not something a little more hoppy. I guess we'll find out. Oh, it's 8%, so I don't know if it's a what? crusher. But <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, that's the imperial, imperial part, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it and find out. So this movie starts, and we are right into the synth. As the credits roll, we see outer space and the aforementioned guitar-shaped spaceship flying right overhead. Now, instead of the title of this movie, we get the title of one of the songs, which I was quoting at the beginning, When the Rain Begins to Fall. And I did like how the guitar ship smashed right through it, creating just an explosion of glitter. Yeah, this was fantastic. Uh, it got me in the mood right away. I ran upstairs, immediately grabbed my leather vest and my lightning-shaped sunglasses and put them on. <laughs> yeah. I was excited to go here. Um, Pulled out the old keytar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I slung the keytar <laughs> over my shoulder, and uh, I was ready for what this movie was about to bring. Were you expecting it to bring you an extremely old-timey, lost-in-space-style robot? <laughs> no, this was pretty awesome. I immediately, instead of getting 80s vibes, felt 70s sci-fi. You're right. Lost in Space is a good comparison. 70, fucking like 60s, man. Yeah, I'm so old that's true. 
Uh, so we, we start off inside this spaceship, um, and we are straight into a robot talking to us on the screen. Well, he's turning some devices on first, and when he speaks, he tells us that the crew of this ship has been combing the galaxy searching for something, and that something is rock music. <laughs> why did this happen? Like, why did I don't know. this sort of, like, futuristic... We've got this society that seems to be way ahead of our Earth in the 80s, and yet they've decided they need to go out and find the origin of rock music. What's funny is they don't even find rock music. Most of the songs aren't particularly rocky. There's a few, but a lot of it is kind of more like new wave pop synth, right? Even more questions I have are, like, they get to Earth, they find it. It's supposed to be the home of rock music, but then they never interact or talk about finding rock or what they're going to do with it. Oh, they don't mention it at all. Now, you say they get to Earth, but before that happens... There are uh, three other possibilities in this robot's search. The robot, by the way, whose name is 1359, scans the first planet. This one has, like, puppets clanging away on something with, like, drumsticks. It's so fucking strange. Yeah, it looks like a throwback to the Muppets for sure. One of the puppets is, uh, like, using its snout as a trumpet, and it's making sounds (laughs) as those other ones are, like, banging on each other. It reminds me of there's like this really cracked out children's television show that you sometimes see YouTube clips of. I think it felt like that to me. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm intrigued to find out. The next planet is absolutely not a winner. This has a bunch of kind of like old timers doing ballroom dancing, so that one's out. But the third planet is a definite maybe. Yeah, this one has potential. I think it was called Acacia or something similar to that. And they're watching, or it tunes in on a video screen for us, and we're about to break into, like, an early MTV video here is what it feels like. Yeah, the planet itself is kind of a post-apocalyptic thing, and we see there's a pair of rival gangs. One is a bunch of white guys led by someone who kind of looks like a young Peter Green, and the other is a bunch of black guys led by Jermaine Jackson. It's basically West Side Story, complete with hilariously choreographed dance fighting. Yeah, the dance fighting is fantastic. What did you notice about all their shirts? Yeah, so it's weird. The one, the one gang is wearing like all white, and they're also the white guys. The other gang has kind of like leather stuff and like more traditional kind of post-apocalyptic. But the leader of the white gang, color clothes, not color skin, or both, whatever. It is both, yeah. yeah. He had, I believe, a mesh shirt underneath yeah. his white leather jacket. As well as Jermaine Jackson. Both leaders were wearing fantastic mesh shirts. And what was the name of this planet again? Mungo Jerry? It was. That's what I was going to say. Uh, they were just returning to Mungo Jerry. Uh, if you're just joining us, you try, try and work in two Mungo Jerry references per season. We got our first one. So Yes, I'm so excited about that. Uh, yeah, so... Can't beat a mesh shirt. No, you can't. Like Any person who's confident enough to pull off a mesh shirt, I give you props. The Jermaine Jackson singing, pretty good. And he has a leading woman with him here singing. It's Pia Zadora, who... Okay, so she's on this planet... And she's also on Earth, as we see, she's playing the role of Didi on Earth. And I know this raised some questions for you. Yeah, I was a little bit confused why she was both on that planet and also the person on Earth. Clearly, she was the draw for this movie. Like, I feel like someone was trying to get her career going, and that was the reason why this was almost created or put out. I was wondering whether the music industry had an influence in this movie being made. Okay, so you actually have already said sort of the answer to this kind of paradox we're looking at here. This sequence that we see on this planet is literally the music video for this song off the soundtrack. So I wasn't wrong that it was an MTV video. No, you were right on. The oh fact, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they they made the movie, screened it, tested it, and were like, this is not, we need something else in here. And they decided the solution was just put the music video in because it's an up-tempo song. It's one of the better songs on the soundtrack. 
and the thought was it would like get people kind of into it and they inserted it in a fairly clumsy way yeah oh yeah it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the movie i mean they make it work only because they're pretending it's a different planet but otherwise the tone of it doesn't fit at all and the fact that the same like performer is in both that music video and on earth is confusing well and the same song is on that video on earth yeah. as we see at the end spoilers <laughs> That is true as well. So it, it is really strange to just insert that in there. I wonder, like, were they always aliens traveling the universe, or was that their solution to sneak it in? No, they were. Okay. Um, this was literally just inserted kind of at the beginning as a way to get the music video in there, kind of shoehorned it in. Now, uh, this scene plays out over the whole length of the song, and why wouldn't it again? It's just the music video. And once the dust is settled, 1359 decides that this planet is not suitable either. But Earth... Why not, as it says on the old-timey computer screen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this gave me a pretty good chuckle. Um, it's funny because that's the only good answer for why they're there. Because they find music, and it doesn't like make them go back or collect things. They just decide to stay and perform some of their own new wave. Well, that happens later, of course. But first, with the location established, it's time to wake up the crew. They're frozen, see, but like in a fridge instead of any kind of cryo chamber. They've also been miniaturized, so the robot sends them down a chute, and when they slide out the bottom, they're human guys. The effects here, yeah. they're basically like Ken doll size, and just, that's it. They're not even remotely realistic looking. Oh, it is It is a person <laughs> pulling a toy <laughs> through a tube. You can like see the string pulling yeah. it along. Oh yeah, it's oh. really bad. And then they fall out of a tube slide, the people. This is funny. The robot says 100% success, but when the one falls out still as a toy, uh, he goes, oh, 84% success. And one of them comes out upside down because, as we quickly learn, he's kind of the comic relief of this outfit. This is, this is our group of aliens. They're also a traveling band, as we see as they get closer to Earth. We get what is essentially a montage here set to the song 21st Century by the band Rayma. This is an actual new wave band they found for this movie. And nice little touch here. Part of the spaceship controls is an actual keyboard. They're just like, he's, play, he's playing keyboard as part of them flying the ship. So this is a real new wave band? Yeah, man. They were never, like, this is by far the peak of their fame. Okay. I think if you look them up on Spotify, they have one song, and it's the one song off this soundtrack. Uh, okay. All right. They definitely held the new wave vibes. Like, they felt like they could carry it a bit. It, it They didn't seem like they were incredibly engaging, but I could definitely recognize that they weren't just making it up. That's the one thing I found about both kind of groups in here. We had our rockabilly group and our other one. And both of them were kind of doing a decent job at performing their own kind of style. Well, they've arrived. And uh, once they do, they strategize about how they're going to blend in on the planet. And we get our first look at the town of Spielberg. <laughs> Subtle nod there to the director. And Lake Erie. Like extra <laughs> E in there, spooky. Which, by the way, is just incredibly polluted. And also has like a sea monster in it. Yeah, this zoom in of Lake Erie and telling them not to swim and all the stuff we get afterwards talking about how polluted it is and how filled with like nuclear waste is pretty hilarious. We transition quickly from them trying to scare us away from the water to a song about love on the beach. Oh my God, absolutely. It's real love in which our main character, Dee Dee, sings about how she wants real love, duh. And again, <laughs> we get just some masterful choreography here. Everyone's enjoying the summer sunshine in something that's basically right out of Greece. Like I had Greece vibes this whole movie. Yeah, I think so. I think there was a lot of inspiration from those style of movies, right? The Greece type movie. 
it fit perfectly. The choreography, I agree, was just that, right? One person out front and everyone else kind of doing similar moves behind them as they were singing the song. We also have some, like, comic relief going on here at the same time, too. She's performing this song while, like, two older people are kind of making out and a larger woman with candy strapped to her is jogging on the beach. Wait a minute. She didn't have candy strapped to her, did she? Absolutely she did. There was, like, Snickers bars and all kinds like of Like, in case she gets hungry while she's yeah, jogging? Yeah, it was literally uh. strapped to her. <laughs> I know somebody who's not going to like that. And his name <laughs> is Everyone, no one. <laughs> well, everyone who watches it. Especially, I'm like, oh, that. you're going to find that goodness. offensive. Uh, it was offensive. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. But she comes to save the day, though, here. As, as our song's starting to wrap up, our sea monster tries to take the like pervy old guy making out on the beach into the water with him when the larger lady steps on its tentacle and it runs away hang on first of all i have to correct you there pervy guy on the beach there's no 80s pervs he's just some guy on the beach making out with someone it's consensual looks like (laughs) only because this took place in the 80s the feeling is really kind of earlier than the 80s though like you said this is very much a grease feeling no but but set in the 80s the way everyone's dressed come on like that's it's a very 80s uh version of that for me now during this sequence, there's a band playing on top of like a lifeguard tower or something, but everyone's fun gets ruined. The leader of that band, Frankie, shows up and does not like the music that they're playing or the fact that someone other than him is singing. He even smashes their radio in a sign of defiance. Everybody listen up. I don't want to have to say it again. I decide who sings with the band around here. You got it? Me, not Dee Dee. Not nobody. <laughs> yeah. Frankie is not coming off as a cool dude here. Uh, he is very angry that his girlfriend, Dee Dee, is singing and not him. That he has to share the spotlight with her. And that his bandmates would sort of not go along with him. It seems like this is more than a band too, right? This seems like it's almost like a bit of a gang we got going oh, on Oh, definitely. Here. They're called The Pack. And at different points, they do sort of do vaguely gang stuff. Now, Frankie, to me, looks kind of like an ultra-butch version of Evan Peters. You know, American Horror Story, Quicksilver, and the X-Men movies. Oh, yeah. Just picture him with his yeah. hair done up, leather jacket, no shirt. <laughs> no shirt of the leather jacket. Yeah, He's that's a pretty good pack. comparison. I'm telling you. Yeah, This guy who plays him... Definitely fits kind of the greaser role. He he is a fit man with the no shirt on, and he's he's ready to go. The funny thing is he keeps telling everyone not to sing, but we don't really hear him sing for three quarters of this fucking movie. Well, yeah, a different guy in his band does some of the singing, which, I don't know, pick your battles here, I guess, but whatever. The aliens are about ready to land. They're going to use a phone booth as their teleportation device. Before they can even do it, they get spotted by the town sheriff. She's got a telescope, see, that she uses to patrol. Oh, my gosh. I burst here while watching this <laughs> telescope scene. So the sheriff is this, like, elderly woman. Oh, she's like 80 if yeah. she's a day. Yeah. Very old woman, and she's looking through a telescope. She's not actually looking at the sky, though. She has got it trained right on some kind of David Hasselhoff lookalike. Just flexing his muscles in a window. No, hang on now. Listen, she's keeping the town safe. You know, if she just happens to catch a glimpse of some beefcake flexing through an open window, that's I mean, a coincidence. The speed at which she pulled her hand out of her pants to uh, that, fall over that was did not extraordinary. That she did not was happen. out so hard watching this hassle Bullshit. Hop. Yeah. No, don't she, listen to she him. She and falls right through the oh guardrail. God, I have to edit all of this Did she out. not fall through the guardrail? 
the sheriff deputy startled her. That's all. He came in. She's focused in the telescope. All of a sudden, he's right there behind her. What's happened when you get caught masturbating? You kind of never freak happened. out like that, dude. <laughs> no, it's never, never happened. happened. Yeah. On a tight ship. <laughs> no, that's Locks all. on all those doors. She, no, she's just distracted, startled. That's it. End of story. There are no 80s pervs. Anyway, the aliens land, and their leader, ABCD, or ABSID, as they're calling him on Earth, tells all of them that they are there only to observe and not interfere. He also tells 1359 that he'll need to change his appearance to be less conspicuous. Why am I the only one who has to wear a disguise? Of all the planets we've ever visited, have you ever seen anything that even remotely looks like you? No but Exactly. No butt, no lips, no legs. No way. This time, you're a... A fire hydrant. And if you don't think this is all leading up to the inevitable dog peeing on him joke, you're crazy. <laughs> Saw that one coming a mile away. I mean, there's no other choice, right? If you're going to try to blend in as a hydrant, you know dogs are going to be involved in this comedy. Uh, immediately, he's less useful than his other state because he can't keep an eye on things that are happening. He needs to be lifted up by other members of the alien crew. Yeah, he's only like 2.4 micrometers taller. Yeah, they're making up measurements. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, my god! Yeah, man. Now, the next scene, we find out about Frankie and Dee Dee's relationship. She does not like the way he talked to her back at the beach and also the fact that he spends more time with the band than her. Sounds like she's angling for a little bit of the action that we see some teenagers getting in the next scene. Yeah, these teens are kind of driven themselves to the makeout point, and there's a couple cars beside each other. The one guy's trying to convince his girlfriend to go all the way. He even uh, looks up at the sky and makes a little bit of a wish upon a star, and right at that perfect timing, the aliens steal their clothing. Yeah, they use some kind of technology to uh, transport the humans' clothing onto them so they can hopefully pass as more humans. Uh, but it turns out the aliens don't like their new clothes. Well, except for uh, S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z, or Stuvitz, as they call them. <laughs> uh, and they decide to keep their original costumes. Now, it looks like those original costumes will work fine, at least based on their brief interaction with the sheriff. You boys see anything strange around here? No! <laughs> she just goes on her way. Yeah, yeah. Keep on doing a good job, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You might want to head to town. There's something strange going on. I'm looking for some aliens, but uh, if you see anything, let me know. Definitely not the guys in the hot pink and black leather jumpsuits with weird glasses that all do like a weird salute. Like, No, not them. Yeah, not those guys. It, it can't be them. They're definitely from around here. She's, yeah, I don't know. She's still in like a sexual ecstasy high. She's just not seeing God anything. Damn, man. Come on. <laughs> well, they make their way to town. <laughs> After we get a quick song from a 50s-style band, like you alluded to earlier, kind of a rockabilly number, it's called Justine, the song, not the band. Even people in the diner are dressed in kind of that, like, stereotypical Definitely. 50s garb. You get, like, a Buddy Holly-esque character in the back, like, nerding around, eating oh, ice cream. he's nerding so hard. I had a good laugh at this section. I find the rockabilly style and the dance and stuff kind of fun, so... It's sort of building up and making the mood light until you have our Frankie characters show up here. Did you also enjoy it when the aliens came in and started doing some prop comedy? <laughs> well, things got really awkward once our alien crew come in because they clearly don't understand what a diner is. They sit down no. at a table. The one creeps a girl out so that she'll give up her chair, and then they all go around one table. They're dumping salt in their mouth and having it pour out. They're flipping napkins in the air, making it rain napkins. And, yeah. Uh, they build, like, a thing with straws. I don't yeah, know. So it strange. looked like a Rube Goldberg machine or yeah, some kind of musical kind of, instrument. Like a roller coaster <laughs> of straws. Yeah. Yeah. They're having some problems acting normal is the gist of it. And speaking of problems, 
Dee Dee's best friend Diane can sense that her and Frankie are also having some. Now, Diane assumes it's a sex thing, but Dee Dee assures her that it isn't in our next musical number, You Bring Out the Lover in Me. This was a fucked up musical scene. Are you thinking about specifically the way it starts? Or yes. Yeah. Well, both, all of it in general. But this scene starts with the two of them talking in the ladies' washroom. Yep. And she's basically, the friend, Diane's basically saying that Dee Dee just needs to get a little bit and let him God damn. That's where basically what she's suggesting. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I retract my goddamn. She's basically telling her you need to give it up. Yeah, to that, keep is, that, that is all she's yeah. saying. And we get this, like, from underneath the stalls, we have a whole bunch of women's legs with very childish underwear dancing. Or no underwear in one case. Well, yeah, that which was kind of funny. I like that yeah. one. But it they was, get the feet moving from side to side in time with the music. Yeah, it's a weird start. And then all of a sudden, they all burst out. Thankfully, their underwear's up, I, I guess. Like, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Mixed feelings about that one. Yeah, a little bit. Had to reconsider uh, that statement. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have this choreographed dance in the women's washroom. The back of every one of the stalls has a topless picture of Frankie on it, just to set the mood. Yeah, when you open the door, it's on the other side yeah. of the door. Yeah. So that makes you ask, were they using the stalls for bathroom God, purposes? What is? Yeah. What do? You, what do you? You're in a bent with this. I don't know. They're All just, the women I in feel Spielberg like this, are just out constantly. Well, I feel like that's what they're setting up for us. Good lord. Uh, yeah, I don't know why those pictures are there, but when Dee Dee walks out of the restroom, she catches the eye of ABCD or Absid. And he's so struck by her that he literally explodes. His arms and legs go flying off and his head lands in a fucking ice cream sundae. <laughs> There's glitter that bursts out of the seams yeah, of his arms. And confetti like, is like raining down from his limbs. The rest of his crew have to go collect his limbs and torso and take him back to the ship. What's weird here is, though, the other teenagers seem strangely unfazed by this. One of them says, uh, Some guys will do anything to impress a girl. Like, why, why are they not reacting to this? A dude just fucking blew up in front of them. I mean, I think as teens, they all recognize when someone has had their first <laughs> Like, that, that's, the, that's what this guy did, right? Like, this is the first time he's ever And it just was so powerful that his head and arms came up. These teens understand. They've all had wet dreams or had those moments. Where their know. limbs fly off their body well, at the I point mean, of completion. Depending how they were dreaming, maybe that's how it felt, right? Like they This is so fucking silly. <laughs> And we get some more alien silliness now as they carry their leader's body parts out of the diner, sneak past the sheriff, and reassemble him on their ship. And the way they do this is by tossing the parts into some kind of compartment. Then the ship, like, prints out a paper version of him that they inflate in a way that I, frankly, found very sexual. Yeah, it did seem that way. A lot of them were patting his groin. Um, one of them was blowing well, him. Well, blowing him into something. Yeah, the yeah. other guy's like fucking working some handle on a thing, but he's going up and down. I'm telling you, this yeah. whole movie is sexual innuendo. Oh, Whoever wrote man. this was like crazy horny and just couldn't express it. <laughs> work, work that lever. Yeah. Just, just up and down. You yeah. guys aren't patting his groin hard enough. The direction for this was probably very sexual. More, oriented. more groin work. Yeah, you Get guys need to pat work. that groin a little yeah. harder. Well, uh, they inflate him. They blow him up, all right. And, <laughs> and, and then, they're, all of a sudden, they're just performing music on a tractor. This there's, <laughs> there's a simple farmer driving his tractor, and they're, like, wrapping up a performance on the beach that impresses Diane so much that she invites them to perform at a cotillion they're putting on at the school gym. This movie has a lot of abrupt cuts, but this one is the most bonkers to me. 
Not only did they do the set on this tractor, the farmer sat in the driver's seat the entire time they were performing. When he keeps sitting after they jump off and talk to Diane for 30 minutes, he's just in the background. It's such a really strange thing. So they've been invited to go to the cotillion, right? This is like a big high school dance. That's telling us one, is this the first time we hear that they're all still in high school? Yeah, you know what? I think you're right, and I would never have guessed that by the age of some of these people. No, they all seem way older than high school students. That so always all... happens. We've had that a million oh, times yeah, already. Yeah. So so now we know they're in high school. Now we know that the New Wave band's going to perform. And Well, no, hang on. He only agrees to have them perform once he confirms that Dee Dee will be there. Mm. As soon as Diane says, yeah, she's there, he says they're in. And uh, not only are they in, he's going to bring a secret weapon. It's a female sexual response stimulator. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking, they invented the vibrator. That's essentially, but like a remote one. Yeah, they they have in, invented the vibrator that uh, will turn on all women. You just yeah. have to hit the button. And I think they called it the panty flutter. <laughs> oh, man. This is why the sheriff let them go without any questions, I think, earlier in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I don't know, man. Either way, him thinking about Dee Dee and using this fucking device on her leads us to our next song. It's called Little Bit of Heaven, and it mostly takes place on and off of the ship. There's some outer space green screen there along with a couple of square wipes. And when he snaps back to reality, it's to the sounds of his crew and 1359 telling him that maybe using the stimulator might not be a good idea as it's never been tested in this galaxy. But what could go wrong? Oh, my God. So <laughs> he makes the machine. Despite them, like him earlier saying that they weren't going to get involved with the people there. They were only there to study. They were just trying to find rock music. This ABCD character is all in. He turns on a lot of people. But unfortunately for him, they all have Yeah. <laughs> Something must have gone wrong in translation here because he activates the device and it just turns on all the dudes in the diner who come and swarm him. This basically creates a dog pile. Dong pile? Yeah, dong pile. And he, yeah. <laughs> he has to smash the stimulator to get them off of him. I don't think he smashes it. I just think the weight of all those dicks on him breaks it. <laughs> all that hog meat. Yeah. Pushing down the <laughs> he was he was <laughs> happy it did because he knew he was in trouble. He was in a yeah. lot of trouble. At least two of them were inside him already. <laughs> Luckily for Absid, Dee Dee is there to pick him off the floor, which, uh, you know, as I said, is lucky for him. But what's lucky for her is he's going to give her the opportunity to sing at the cotillion, which Frankie definitely wouldn't do. And you might be thinking to yourself, how could things possibly get any better right now? And the answer is montage. It's the one where they're getting samples of shit. Oh, the guy ends up at the. Is that really a montage? The like the cow shit in the. Okay, this yeah, is the so worst not, of the montage. Uh, okay, it's there, not yeah. exactly a yeah. full one, but there is yeah. a song and a few quick cuts between scenes of the aliens exploring and collecting samples. Stuvitz, who we know is the especially comedic one, is trying to get into a psychiatric hospital but can't. But at the same time, two particularly terrifying looking patients are trying to get out, which they do by chainsawing a hole in the gate. The most funny part about this whole interaction is. After the two, like, escapees from this mental institution get out of there, Stuvitz comments about how, like, welcoming and nice they were. <laughs> they yeah, didn't say anything very to him. Pleasant. Very funny. These are really pleasant patients. And you were correct. You were like, one of those guys looks familiar. Have you ever seen the hills have eyes? Yes. So one of them is the like that weird looking guy from that. Uh, he's been in some other stuff too. Yeah, he's, he's probably most well known for that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're out though. No problem. No one's pursuing them or finding it odd that one of them has a chainsaw. I'm pretty sure the sheriff drives past them and says everything is okay. She's got other things on her mind. Definitely. David Hasselhoff. God damn it. While this is going on, uh, 
Absent and Didi are enjoying some milkshakes at the diner when Frankie shows up, and that's going to be trouble. Nothing that old ABCD can't handle, though, as Frankie's goons are unable to break through his defenses. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so they break into the bar. They invite ABCD to go out back, and he, as an alien, doesn't understand what that means. He goes out with them. But when they try to beat him up with machetes, knives, belts. Brass knuckles. Brass knuckles. He puts up the best fucking shield in the world. In there, what do they call it? Some like reverse magnetism shield or some Something, bullshit. yeah. It is literally a piece of clear plastic that they're <laughs> smashing their weapons and <laughs> knuckles on. And it's clearly it bending. Wobbling. It's yeah, wobbling oh and God. bending, but they're acting as if it is the hardest thing in the world. When the guy tries to punch it with the brass knuckles and then like pretends to fall down because he's hurt himself. It is one of the most bullshit <laughs> scenes we've seen on the podcast. He like slides down. Oh my God. I yeah. It's so bad. It is perhaps the most low budget effect of all of the low budget effects that we've seen and that's saying something. It very well could be. Yeah. So absent handles is no problem. And speaking of handling things, those two escape mental patients are seamlessly adjusting to life on the outside. They manage to load up a shopping cart with weapons and they even throw a friendly wave at the town sheriff. As we quickly see in this scene, she is not exactly leading a crack team of skilled officers here. No, her whole crew is pretty bad. Um, the second-in-command seems to be just as clueless as she is, and then all the other offices are brutal. I would say one of the most common themes we've seen of movies on this podcast is that everyone thinks police are buffoons. Inept police. Yeah, yeah it's it is, been a big thing. It'd be interesting to watch some of these with police officers and have a good chuckle at how <laughs> brutal that is. They might not, or maybe they love it. I don't even know. She does send one of them over to patrol the cotillion, though, and that's a good thing because the two escaped mental patients are there, which leads to a ridiculous fight scene between the officer and the Hills Have Eyes guy. This is basically the bathroom fight scene in Naked Gun 2.5, only using every kind of home appliance you can think of. Oh my gosh. This one was pretty fantastic. The whole time the janitor they're fighting in his office is asleep in front of them. The things that they pull out to use are a an electric knife that you would carve a turkey with. Yep, turkey carver. Yeah, that one was pretty funny. It cut through the police officer's gun. Well, yeah, that was insane. It cut <laughs> right through the barrel of like a Magnum gun. Yeah, yep. I was just like, no. There was a mixer. Oh, yeah, like an electric mixer mm -hmm. got used. And then the funniest one by far is the electric can opener. Well, that's that. I thought that was hilarious. And mainly because the way that the officer defends himself was by grabbing a can. <laughs> The guy comes out with the can opener. The officer jams the can there and it's opening the can in fucking soup or beans or something. Yeah, spilling, spilling everywhere all over him. It does finish with an electric toothbrush. Just like Naked Gun 2.5. And, and an extraordinary amount of paste coming out of his mouth. Just like Naked Gun 2.5. Is that what happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. But when we're like, is the officer dead? Did the guy finish yeah, off? No, I didn't know, he no. just brushed his teeth into submission and left him there. We see the officer make a call from a payphone covered in fucking toothpaste later. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it is a hilarious scene. I'm not really sure if it drives the plot in any way. Like, I don't know why it's there. Just to be funny, I feel like a lot of the inclusions in this are purely for comedic reasons. So yeah, I've done a little bit of research uh, on this one for a change, and what I can tell you is that according to the guy who wrote the screenplay, he wanted it to feel when you watch this movie like you were flipping through TV channels late on a Saturday night. So we tried oh. to make it so you get a little bit of different genres. You'd get a little kind of horror movie, right, with the chainsaw killer. You'd get some, like, comedy. You'd get some, like, sci-fi. So he's trying to flick around there between genres, but at the same time tie it all together, which, I mean, 
I don't think he necessarily pulls it off, but that's the justification. That, so, gives, you, that gives me a little more perspective yeah. on why some of that stuff was included. Well, because you were struggling, because this is around the time where you correctly pointed out that the movie had gotten out of control. <laughs> yeah, things were off the rails yeah. completely. <laughs> well, it doesn't stop there. As in order to get into the cotillion without fighting their way through Frankie's goons, the aliens teleport in through the toilets and then teleport on the stage, and their instruments appear on the stage also in a series of cuts that are truly poor. Oh, what? the uh, Them getting into the toilets and appearing? Or the... Them no, when they go on stage. stage. Oh, them yeah. getting in the toilets was kind of whatever. And, of course, the comic relief guy, he's fucking half a hanging out of a urinal because something went wrong. He took a wrong turn. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> silly. Yeah, so... It's, I was having trouble with some of the cuts here, too. It's even in my notes. But I was really excited about this next scene. We're about to get a battle of the bands. Oh, my God. We sure are. Because the alien band, along with Dee Dee, who they, like, transform into a beam of light and teleport on they stage. They turn her into a star, literally. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, yes. And, again, no one else there finds this weird. They just go with it. They perform a song called Let's Dance Tonight, which gets the people moving. It also infuriates Frankie, so he decides to have his band fire up their own unique version of the song, which then pulls the crowd away from them. Now, this turns into a full-on song-off with the crowd bouncing back and forth between the two bands. I am loving this. The right? the, the battle of the new wave performance of this song versus the battle of the rockabilly is incredibly entertaining. The performers are having a ton of fun. The keyboardist does a fucking roundhouse kick over the keyboard. <laughs> it's true, he does. That just blew my mind. The people in the crowd are having an incredible time, too. The only person who seems to be not enjoying this whole thing is maybe Frankie and possibly the principal of the uh, high school. He's a little worried here. Well, Frankie is only having a bad time because he is clearly losing, which causes him to storm out and which then causes Diane, who had earlier inquired about taking a shot with him if Didi was done, to chase after him. And it sure seems that Didi's done with them because she invites ABCD to get out of there. But we know he broke the sexual response stimulator, so what's he going to do? Yeah, he can't use that machine to get her off, so I don't know. Do aliens have dongs? 100%. They don't show it, so we don't know. Uh, you want him to hang dong in this, like... <laughs> In this <laughs> I mean, for science, yes. I need to know. I need to know if those aliens have. C that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is all an interesting scene, right? When Frankie runs off, Diane is hot on his heels, like sloppily, like falling on her own. So she hey, after him. No, come on. She's taking her shot. She's been pining after him. Dee Dee's out. He's upset. She's gonna go console him. But unfortunately for Diane, she finds the hills have eyes guy and his nice long chainsaw. Yeah, that's not the kind of length that she was looking for. It's a super long chainsaw, though, for the record. It's, it Good is, on that guy. It's an industrial chainsaw. That guy definitely picked the right tool. It's not is he even, overcompensating? Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You called him weird looking, right? So maybe he needs to have the big... Uh, <laughs> no um so he's chasing her down and we think things are gonna go badly for her but what ends up happening well luckily for her the chainsaw breaks and even more luckily for her i guess she's like a mechanic she pulls out a fucking bunch of tools from her purse and then starts fixing his chainsaw what a weird sidebar this was it was really weird now i had noticed earlier in the movie that she was wearing a mechanic's belt and had oh, tools all that. over her okay yeah this is why i think it's all a metaphor well, I think if she hadn't used the phrase, get it on, you would not have thought that. What's the matter? Can't you get it on? Oh, ah, nuts. Hey, 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 hey. There's no way to treat your tool. 
This is gross. When was the last time you lubricated this thing? Oh, no. Yeah, never. You haven't been taking care of your own tools, is what she said. You gotta lube up. You got to. And she's like, I'm going to teach you how to do that. So Diane is like a bit of a, like, a hero in this movie, right? <laughs> because she teaches the escape mental patient about tools? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, we've done a lot of rounds of who's the real hero in this movie. This is a fucking stretch, is all I'm saying. <laughs> But, hey, man, it's all good. Uh, you mentioned how strange this is. What's also strange is Dee Dee and Absids walk by the water. She spends most of their time there explaining why the lake is polluted and how the town attempted to clean it up. And he spends most of his time trying not to jizz in his space pants. Uh, they talk all through the night about their hopes and dreams and the band they're going to start together. And the next morning, he tells her that he's an alien. This leads to a fairly funny moment when she's like... Well, that's okay. There's lots of English bands. What about Menudo? <laughs> what, what a classic mix-up. She thought he's just an illegal alien. Oh, yeah. He quickly tells her, no, no, I'm not from this planet. And she seems okay with it. Also, the fact that she hadn't figured that out yet is baffling to me. Yeah. When he turned her into a fucking star and brought her on stage, if that wasn't enough to uh, tell you that he was extraterrestrial, I don't know what would have been. Yeah, that and the fact that he exploded and they put him back together, it might have tipped her off, you know. Every time that he jizzes his pants, he also steams out of his arms and neck. <laughs> like, I don't do that, do you? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous, but it, it again, we're in a fantastical 80s musical. What can you do? Meanwhile, confronted by the idea of a life with Odidi, Frankie looks deep within himself and decides to dissolve the pack. Then he looks deep within his quadruple-wide locker and a glamour shot of Dee Dee, and what he finds is the nature of the beast. Holy fuck. <laughs> this song is essentially railing against traditional concepts of masculinity, and if the lyrics don't sell it, the cougar jumping around during these scenes definitely does. This whole section left me speechless. It's incredible. It is the best musical performance of the entire movie. Do you movie. think so? Not in terms of quality, but in okay. terms of blow your mind. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's the most impactful one. After breaking up the gang and going to his locker, he looks sad. He puts in his combination, and you're right. He swings open four fucking lockers. They all, they all open, yeah. It's eight because they're the half lockers. It's four on top and four on the bottom. He's got that whole section carved out for himself. The, it is all covered in red velvet with a giant picture of Dee Dee that is lit up. With chains around it like a frame. Oh, my goodness. It is one of the creepiest shrines you will ever see in your entire life, and it's in his fucking locker. When he starts thinking about the nature of things and a cougar appears in the high school hallway. Well, first it appears in nature. We just get a shot of a cougar like jumping across some rocks, also jumping across some rocks, a couple of female dancers. There are almost a claw hands in this section. It was incredible. It looks like they pulled these two right out of cats. They've got the makeup and the moves. The video transitions from them being in the high school to nature, like you said, and it, then it's just shots of cougars, these dancers, and then him walking topless and with torn up pants. What happened to his clothing? He's like he's washed up on shore. He's, he's like been shipwrecked. Yeah, exactly. It's on an island of traditional masculinity, and he wants <laughs> off. I thought you'd be all about this. Well, this is right up your fucking alley. I told you, this is my favorite performance yeah. of the entire movie. He's out in nature. The two dancers are behind him, his cougar's there, and he's singing this song all about how he's ready to be a changed man. The best shot of the entire thing, though, is what? The eyes? Yes. We get a close-up of his face, and we get that thing where you can kind of see behind it. They, like, overlay two shots or something, and the cougar, like, jumps across his eyes, 
fuck. It, we both just died laughing. It was amazing. This would have made an incredible 80s music video. Who's to say it didn't? It's possible based on the fact Bad that they song, already though. shoved it's not a great here. song. The song's yeah. not, but the video that like accompanies it would have made this song a success. Well, hang on now. In video format, <laughs> not on the radio, but in video I format. I don't know anyone that could have watched this and not just been laughing the whole time. It's fucking hilarious. Now, it turns out the pack maybe doesn't want to be dissolved. And similarly, after hearing a bit about the alien planet, Dee Dee decides that maybe leaving her life on Earth behind doesn't sound that appealing after all. So she just bails. And from there, stuff really starts picking up. The pack figures out the Rayma guys are aliens. The escaped mental patient who's not the Hills Have Eyes guy tries to kill Frankie. And that giant sea monster has somehow entered the school and there's tentacles everywhere. How are they going to get out of this one? Yeah, shit has just gone from zero to 100 yeah. really fucking quickly. It's funny because Didi decides that she doesn't want to go to this alien planet anymore for two reasons. One, she doesn't want to undergo a procedure that will remove all emotions because, in her own words, I need to c That's... And then two... <laughs> no, no, no. Two. She's wondering about how... Uh, without emotions, a person can feel love and how, therefore, you can have, like, the romantic kind of sex. It was interesting because this procedure that all the aliens have gone through has removed all the emotions, yet somehow they can still have physical satisfaction. What's fucked up is he asks her if she loves him, and then she's like, I think I do, and he's like, great, let's get that right out of you. Yeah, yeah, what a fucked up thing to say, right? Um, and so she's left the ship. She's done with her, like, no bone down daddy. Yep, the school's in guy. trouble. Frankie's in trouble. There's tentacles everywhere. Uh, that monster has really taken a far trip from the beach, although they don't show us the distance between the beach and the school. But I was a little shocked that all of those tentacles made it there. Well, it's on land. That's what we can ascertain for sure. Man, it's a good thing that Diane made friends with that escape maniac. Or possibly more than friends. She asked him to go for a walk when this is all over, and it sure seems like something weird's happening there. I mean, when you bond over fixing a chainsaw, one that has the girth of that one, you never know what can happen. <laughs> I guess the good news for Diane is, if this doesn't work out, one phone call to the psychiatric hospital, he's right back in the loony bin. <laughs> well, I tell you, something's definitely happening for Frankie and Dee Dee. They are very much back together, much to the dismay of ABCD. And just to rub salt in the wound, when he returns to the ship, he finds the control room trashed and graffitiized by the pack, one of whom is still on board. Now, the rest of the aliens think they should disassemble him, but ABCD tells them to let him go. And just to prove that he's not holding a grudge, he transforms the pack, who are about to attack Frankie, into a troop of gay scouts. Or scoutmasters? That wasn't totally clear. Yeah, they definitely went with some 80s stereotypes. Um, Boy Scouting, uh, particularly the leaders of Boy Scout troops have been... Um, so you think they were scoutmasters? Maybe. I think so. Possibly. Uh, but what we know is they're no longer violent. They're not out to hurt him. What other problems did uh, the aliens solve for our friends there? Oh my god, he transforms the entire town of Spielberg, cleaning up the water and changing the cloudy skies to sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, this is sweet. <laughs> the alien guy does not hold a grudge for Dee Dee leaving. He still kind of loves her if he could love. He can't really because of that like thing that he went through. But uh, he fixes the town for them, and we've got... Didi and Frankie back together. We've got that gang broken up, so they're not going to be causing trouble in the town. Things are looking up, huh? Oh, things are looking way up. And we've also got another performance of When the Rain Begins to Fall, this time with Didi and Frankie singing to each other over a series of increasingly obvious green screens. And just to put a bow on it, ABCD finally lets the comic relief guy drive the spaceship. 
And does he ever? Dude blasts us off right into the credits. This music video with the green screens is tremendous. It really is. You get them from like the waist up. It's all just background and it's, yeah. It doesn't age well. From a technological standpoint, yeah, no, but the yeah. message is timeless. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> so love has found the town of Spielberg. Dee Dee and Frankie are together and they're going to change the way things happen there. The lake's been cleaned up. We even, the monster's going to Loch Ness now. Fix the fucking environment. Yeah, the environment. Isn't that to travel back in time? You like those fucks on the Enterprise? (laughs) (laughs) Those whales are important. Um, (laughs) But we're out. We we head out here. We we don't know what happens to the rest of them, but we assume things are better for them in the town of Spielberg. And we don't know what happens to our alien friends. We just know they're off to continue to explore the universe. Take their data about Earth back to the homeland and just you know. Keep uh, keep looking for rock. They didn't find it. Is that what happened? I was a little confused at the end there. I didn't understand why they like didn't record anything or bring any sounds back from the rock music. You know what? They found rock, but they also found a lot more than they bargained for. <laughs> oh. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> no. Yeah, man. I don't know. Who the fuck knows with this, right? They didn't put any thought. You know what I like about this, though? They're not fishing for a sequel. They aren't leaving any loose ends. This thing is tied up like a bow. The aliens are on their way. Dee Dee and Frankie forever. The pack's going to go. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? But this thing's done. The fucking here. sheriff's windsurfing. Yeah, that was strange. That was a weird, <laughs> yeah. She went on a weird windsurfing adventure. The they made her happy. They, they turned her happy. Which they zapped happy away her. Sh- I thought she was happy while she was looking at David Hasselhoff. There was a longing that I think yeah. has been filled now. They zapped her. Her uniform turned into a bathing suit. She's like, let's get in the fucking water. Did they use that like orgasm for all women thing? They fix it finally? She was having a really good time windsurfing. Yeah, she really was. Maybe that water wasn't uh, a lake. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It's, uh, it's time just to wrap this thing up. So... We're gonna we're gonna go to our ratings now because I can't we just can't keep leaving opportunities for, for things to happen. Here. So the way we do this, we rate the movie on a scale of one to ten. We do it two times: one to ten for how bad it is, one to ten for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are a ten out of ten on each scale, or what we call the crit, crit 20. 20, 20, 20. And I have to say for myself, it is gonna be in play this week because this movie is ten out of ten bad. I don't even know where to begin. It's just ridiculous, and I get what they're going for, but at the same time, the overall level of, like, production value, the choreography, some of the set stuff, like, it's just so absurd and so obvious in some ways with the fire hydrant shit. The plot is essentially nonsense. This thing hops genres all over the place. Um, The fact they had to put the music video for When the Rain Begins to Fall at the beginning, that shows on some level how bad they knew this was. Like, it also created that weird plot hole because why is she on both planets? But I think they were just kind of like, you know what, fuck it. We just need something here at the beginning that'll maybe get people hooked. And, like, I'm saying this with a smile on my face, but it is, like, a really bad movie objectively. At least that's how I feel. What do you think, Noel? Now, we didn't really talk about the fire hydrant. We kind of let that one slip. Yeah, he's still around. He's in the background. We brought it up. A dog did try to piss on our robot, but instead the robot sprayed the dog first. Yeah, it didn't quite go the way I thought it was going to. Also, they had a nice joke in there where he turns into a fire hydrant and hangs out outside while the aliens go in the diner. And because he stops in front of a car, that car then gets ticketed for parking in front of a fire hydrant, which wasn't there fucking when the car parked. That's kind of funny. Yeah, there's some good comedy in here for sure. The people who made this were not taking themselves seriously. No, and that's why I feel kind of weird giving it a 10 out of 10 for how bad it is. But like objectively... yeah. 
So just the concept itself is absolutely ridiculous. Yes. The idea of having aliens travel the universe looking for rock and roll and then having those aliens who are a new wave band come to town and then sort of compete in a battle of the bands is just a spectacular idea. <laughs> like, it's so good. From um, a money-making studio no, standpoint? No, no absolutely not. Say. For yeah. a make-a-ridiculous-movie that should be reviewed on a bad movie podcast, absolutely. This thing is, like, the easiest 10 that I can absolutely think of, right? Just okay, yeah. The whole thing makes sense for being on our podcast. It is a 10 out of 10 bad. The acting is atrocious. Yep. Um, I think... The lead actor, she's there more for her musical talents rather than her acting talents. Or? Yeah, I mean, she does okay as kind of like the, although some scenes she seems kind of oblivious, which maybe that's the direction too. You never know, right? How much is acting choices versus directing choices Frankie's, and editing. Frankie's awful. His whole crew is a bunch of bad actors. Yeah, not great. The new wave people are not great either. You can kind yeah. of tell they're a band and not a bunch of actors. Well, yeah. The sheriff. <laughs> Yeah, the acting's bad. The story's weird. The effects weren't great at all. God damn, the effects at the beginning when they're thawing those guys out, they're laughable. They're laughable effects. I also found the love story slash love triangle kind of stuff really bad. It it didn't work well for me in a like sci-fi musical comedy. I don't right. I, like I didn't I didn't like how they did that. So I yep. had it as a ten bad. Okay, but how enjoyable on a scale of one to ten did you find this movie? I don't know that I've decided yet. Okay, do you want me to go first? <sighs> Yeah, I think so. Can I give you the list of things that make me pop? Then you can give your rating, and then I'll come back with mine. Sure, yeah. So the concept itself is fucking hilarious. Yeah, right? (laughs) I just, I love this idea. I picked it out instantly from that stack of things, and I didn't even read what it was about. Just the title itself is amazing. Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Yes, sign me up. I mean, the guitar spaceship. Yeah. Oh, so good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The music. And the fact that it is basically like an early MTV video is amazing. I love music and music videos, so yep. this was great for me. I want to jump in here for a second. We're just going to combine. I'm going to just give my rating, but you're checking out a lot of things I want to mention also. Many of the songs are catchy. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I won't lie. I have definitely loaded up the soundtrack on Spotify a few times. Oh, I'm going to it. now. Yeah, yeah. this is, I, I want to hear some of this. I both want to hear this new wave band a little more. Oh, you're not, you're going to find one song of theirs in the soundtrack. The rest is the Piazzadora Everything stuff. else is Piazzadora, yeah. yeah. And I would like to see some of her stuff, too. The inclusion of a, like, sea monster for no reason. Yep. And a poison like Eerie is just special. I, yep. don't, I don't know. That just seems creative to me. So all of that together, like, added to what definitely made me enjoy this film. Oh, yeah, me too. And I think for me, it's so bad for all the reasons that we described. But at the same time, I kind of love it. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of love what they went for. I love how ridiculous it is. I love many of the songs. I love, again, just those 80s vibes and how ridiculous it is. I love it so much that I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10 for yeah. enjoyable. It's a crit 20. Oh, my God. Uh, this is my yes. second viewing, and I enjoyed it like no less on the second viewing. I had a really good time with this movie because uh. I feel like it's a really good time. Ridiculous as fuck. Like, again, really bad, but bad in a really fun way. That's amazing. Um, I didn't know if that was going to come. I was hoping it was going to be here, and I'm glad it did. This movie was really enjoyable in the fact that it was so ridiculous. I just shared before a lot of things that made me pop. I love the songs. The costumes we didn't talk about, they're pretty good too. Yeah. Particularly the alien ones. Um, 
the glitter. There is craft herpes all over this, and it's fantastic. <laughs> ah, that's an old, that's a throwback. Yeah, it's the, a throwback to our "Can't Stop the Music" episode from season one. Absolutely, yeah. the best outfit that uh, Pia Zadora wears in this entire thing is this dress when her upper body is also covered in glitter. I think it's when she's dancing with the alien, and they're imagining their future together. And it on is on the ship, and also yes. the outside. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic she's glowing in that uh, <laughs> i overall i did not find her that catching like she wasn't for me someone who would pull me in i think i could use someone else in that role i mm. guess she was talented enough it's the I kelly think. mcgillis top gun thing yeah yeah i feel like someone could have pulled that off could have been someone better out there yeah. but she's a but, singer though she can sing oh yeah absolutely yeah. i yeah i think so too i just as the person they were all fighting for for her mm. like yeah she wasn't there for me um, but I, Hang I on. did you see anyone better out there though? No, 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 not in this. So, but that's there you go. that's like, but you that's you, like you, you, you create a woman like this. You're left with what you got in the town, man. <laughs> if she's tops in the town, she's gonna attract yeah, the top talent. That's fair. You're right. Oh, you're you know right. what? There was one girl in that song, Justine, that was like the bar, just like yeah, staring killing. down the band that yeah. uh, was maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what you prefer, but yeah, we've derailed my enjoyability. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> okay. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, I also really, uh, despite how much I've joked about it, I enjoyed uh, the sheriff and her liberated sexuality. I thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so for all of those facts, uh, for the new like created by the sheriff, yeah. I'm also throwing down my crit 20. What? Yeah. Crit oh, 20. 20. Well, fucking both of us at the same time. This never happened before. Is we haven't had a movie. Yeah, we've never yeah. had a movie. We both did it. No, it was usually it was a twenty and a nineteen every time. Well, here we go. Wow, we've, man, we've Voyage done it. of the Rock Aliens. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If uh, if you have not seen this movie and you love the eighties, <laughs> I think you got to watch this fucking movie. Yeah, this was really really fun. What an insane concept and execution. It's a curiosity, is how I would describe this movie, but one that's worth exploring. Uh, and speaking of which, did you think that this beer was worth exploring? Yeah. Um. Just like the movie, it kind of started out with a weird tone. Like, I didn't think it was going to fit the whole beer. But as I kept drinking it, I it grew on me for sure. I enjoyed it more and more. It was not difficult to drink for an imperial beverage in any way. I think it was just the fruit with the goza was a little bit different for me at first. Like, it kind of finished like a goza, like salty without yep. the fruit taste. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it. I did not get as much of the key lime as I'd hoped. I was thinking the same thing. Cherries up front, for sure, it smells like a cherry beer. The lime, not as much. But, yeah, it kind of finished more like a traditional, what I call ghost, because I'm a fucking beer philistine. Philistine? I don't even know how to fucking say Philistine. We oh, don't even Jesus. know. Like, yeah, look at this. No, uh, I did enjoy it. I'd, I'd love to try more from Arche Brewing. Uh, it sounds like a really cool place. And based on trying this, I bet you there's a lot of stuff that would add some different beer perspectives for both of us. Yeah, and I think when you were talking about the description kind of at the beginning, it sounds like they brew a variety of styles. Whenever a brewery offers something that will cater to both the like hardcore hophead like yourself and the average Joe beer drinker like me, that's a good, that's a good place to go, you know? I don't think you're an average Joe anymore, man. Oh, my God. I don't think that you're a hophead, but I think that your beer tastes have changed dramatically since the start of this bad boy. I definitely drink more stouts and porters than I used to, yeah. but I still can't get on your IPA train. Well, that's I'm not saying that you have to. Now, if I'm that train saying, was shaped like a guitar. <laughs> you'd different be right story, on yeah. I love it, but uh, maybe a trip to Akron, Ohio one day in our future. Oh, my God. I don't know what be... else draws us there, but uh, we'll figure something out. <laughs> People of Akron, tell us why we need to visit. There you go. I like Ohio. I've been to a few cities in Ohio. Well, as long as we're talking about people and telling us things, 
Next week's episode is going to be our first audience request of the season, requested by an old friend of ours, the manager of McLean's Pub in Montreal, where we uh, drank a lot of beer before recording our Swamp Thing episode way back at the beginning of our very first season. Maybe our groggiest episode ever. That was a tough one to get through, but I think (laughs) in hindsight it wasn't as bad as we thought, but whatever, you can check it out for yourself. Either way, next week, Judy, the manager of McLean's, has requested that we talk about Double Team. Oh. Oh my God, JCVD's back. It's your boy JCVD alongside yes. NBA. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. Dennis Rodman. He's definitely a legend. If you're going to say a name that people recognize, Dennis Rodman has to be one of those NBA names. Alongside NBA and hot tail pulling legend, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> uh, He's yeah. nailed some hot ladies. Yeah, he got around, didn't he? Carbon Electra? He's cleaning those boards. <laughs> oh, headboards. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, that's going to be what we talk about next week. It's one of Van Damme's uh, later nights. Kind of the, we're past the peak of Van Damme's career. We're on the downslide. I, I don't like to talk about that time in his career, but uh, I'm going to admit that's not where his best work was done. But you're going to have to sit through at least 90 minutes of it when we talk about <sighs> double team next week. Before then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BMB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd rather send us an email, it's the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Sure, if you have another request for this season or some general feedback, suggestions, or the correct way to pronounce Philistine. <laughs> or Goza. Yeah, exactly. We'd love to know that as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Cooper. I'm Noah. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it DD. Prepare for a musical invasion. <laughs>